We spent the last three weeks on a series entitled Best News Ever. Best News Ever. We've talked about the mission of the church and the mission of every Christ follower and that it is to share the gospel, the good news, the best news ever with people around us. Today we're taking the last in a series to see how Jesus himself shared the best news ever. How did Jesus model that? Now we know that the, the, throughout his entire life on earth and especially the last three years of his ministry on earth, he shared the best news about God's love and the fact that he came to redeem humanity and reestablish relationship. But I want to take a specific example of a specific instance where, where Jesus shared the best news ever with an individual. And I want us to read about it in the book of John, John the fourth chapter, it's on, on page 863 if you want to follow along in the Bible in the rack in front of you, or it'll be on the PowerPoint as well. So we're going to read John 4, 4 through 26, where Jesus meets a woman at the well. Verse four, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, it has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that, that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, he urged them to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. 
They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It's an interesting story. Two main characters, just two characters in the story. This Samaritan woman and Jesus. This person called Jesus. As we look at this, I want us to look at, first of all, or look at five actions that Jesus took. Five actions that Jesus took as he was wanting to share the best news ever. And whether you've ever heard this or not about the best news ever, and you want to know more about the best news ever, or whether you're already a believer and you want to follow Jesus' example, and how did he share the best news ever? Let's see what we learned today. Number one. Jesus accepted the woman exactly as she was. Jesus accepted the woman exactly as she was. In America today, we have a, a lot of what we call political correctness to ensure that we treat everyone with equal respect regardless of background or standing. And the basic principle behind political correctness is that all people are equal, all points of view are equally valid, and we should not discriminate on the basis of race, religion, gender, age, etc., etc. And of course, we've seen how that is taken to extreme in different ways in America today. But in New Testament Israel, there was no such thing as political correctness. They didn't have anything politically correct. A man would almost never speak to a woman. A rabbi, which Jesus was, would most certainly never speak to an immoral woman. And a Jew would never associate in any way with a Samaritan, which this woman was. The Samaritans were a product of interracial marriages. They were only half Jew or part Jew. Therefore, the Jews would have absolutely nothing to do with Samaritans. This had much to do with their religion, and they justified their racial prejudice based on their religious beliefs. Travesty. But not Jesus. Jesus was different. Jesus came to establish a new order of things. Jesus accepted people exactly as they were, unconditionally. He looked past the externals. He saw the heart. He saw the real person that was there. Yeah, he could see the faults and the fears. He could see the shortcomings, but he also saw the value. He saw broken people and what broke them and what they could become if they were fixed. You know, Jesus is the same today. He's not changed. Jesus accepts us, you and me, exactly as we are. It's not a matter of us getting all cleaned up first and putting all the pieces together, and then Jesus will somehow accept us. We come to Jesus with all the broken pieces of our life and say, this is all I got. Can, can you fix it? Can you fix me? This woman had been through incredible pain Incredible pain. Five marriages, five divorces. Anyone here who has experienced the pain of divorce or brokenness can understand the pain and the rejection. Jesus didn't come to the strong and self-satisfied. He came to the broken, the hungry, and the empty, and yes, the thirsty, the thirsty, accepting them as exactly as they were. Jesus didn't condemn her. He didn't point the finger at her. Jesus didn't demean her. He didn't say, you are really messed up. She knew she was messed up. No one needed to tell her that. Most people today, if they're honest, 
are very aware of their shortcomings. We don't like to show that to other people. We, we have this exterior that makes us look like we have it all together, especially you come out in public and especially church. You've got to look like you're all together. But Jesus accepts us exactly as we are. Jesus sees, Jesus knows, and accepts us. Now, if we are to share the best news ever, that's where we start. We start by accepting people where they are. There's a lot of talk today about uh, injustice and racial prejudice and all kinds of things. That, and it's, it's rampant in our culture. We can't deny that. But the question is, when, when you look at people, do you look at the outside appearance or do you say, I want to see this per- I want to get to know this person for who they are on the inside. I want to get to know them. Instead of drawing our conclusions by what we see and saying, God, help me to see this person and see their heart, what's, what's happening on the inside. If we're going to share the best news ever, that's where we must start. Accept people where they are. Now, the second action Jesus took was he shared a common concern. He shared a common concern. And the common concern happened to be thirst, the, the physical need for water. Now, it sounds almost too simple. He, there was a common concern. And he shared that common concern. Jesus was God, and he was man. And because he was also a human being, he experienced thirst. He experienced many of our needs. In verse 6, it says Jesus was tired, and Jesus was thirsty. And I, I don't know about you, but I like having a God who walked in my shoes. I like having a God who walked in my shoes. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to experience pain. And not just physical pain, but emotional pain, relational pain. He understands. He experienced that. He knows what it's like to be discouraged. He knows what it's like to be accused unjustly. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by his best friends. He knows what it's like to go on trial. He knows what it's like to be found guilty even though he's innocent. He knows what it's like to be totally alone and deserted by God. He knows what it's like to die, to die. We do not have a God who cannot relate. We, we have a God who understands, who can identify, who shares our common concerns. And I don't know about you, but I need a God like that because he understands. That's Jesus. Now, if we want to share our faith and talk about our faith and share our faith story, we have to sometimes start with common concerns, you know, um, a meeting of somebody, you start with the weather. Don't knock the weather without it. 90% of us couldn't start a conversation. So, especially in Wisconsin, it's like the weather, okay? Find, you want to share your faith, establish a relationship, start, you can start with the weather, that's okay. Find a common concern. And, and as I look about where I meet people that I don't know, you know, whether it's a grocery store or, or the gas station, uh, at the mall, the stores, retail places, uh, in our neighborhood, uh, walking, uh, or at the health club, people, there's a certain kind of common concern that, that you establish with people. And you start and you begin to understand. You have to b- develop a relationship so they know that you have something in common. And I know at, at, 
at, at Gold's Gym where we, we do our workouts, it's, it's always the common concern starts with health and exercise, healthy eating habits, and you know, you talk about all those things and, and talk about those parts. And I'm not gonna get any, any, any place in a conversation with anybody unless I begin to, by establishing a common concern. That's where Jesus started, happened to be thirst, physical thirst. That's where we stop, start. And then Jesus moved beyond the physical need, which was very obvious, we're both thirsty, to the other thing, a deeper need, the thirst of the soul. This is where he piques your curiosity. He uses the illustration of water and the physical thirst, and he said, hey, I got something better. I got living water. Jesus offers, number three, offer the woman living water. What does that mean? Well, that's what the woman asked. What does that mean? She said, give it to me. I'm tired of walking out here all the time to get water. I don't want to thirst anymore. What does that mean? The most obvious need was physical thirst, and that could be quenched with water, but that was temporary. We can quench our thirst, but we get thirsty again. Even if you drink Gatorade or soft drink or something, we always get thirsty again. But Jesus is addressing a far more profound and far deeper need, a thirst that cannot be quenched physically. Anything in the physical, it's a thirst for God. A thirst for God. Have you ever tried to quench your thirst with a liquid that didn't work? You're so thirsty, so dehydrated that no matter how much you drink, you still feel thirsty. In a spiritual sense, people do that all the time. They want to feel good, so they buy new clothes. They want security, so they put more money in the bank. They want love, so they try to find it in sexual experience. They want status, so they buy a new car. They want acceptance, so they change their appearance or, or lose weight. But somehow the thirst is never quenched. It keeps returning over and over and over again. The philosopher Pascal said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in every person that can be filled only with God himself. There's a God-shaped vacuum. There's, a, there's an empty space in every one of us. We were created to have, with that space, to have that relationship. And until that relationship is filled with God, it's empty and we will thirst and we'll feel like we're not fulfilled. We're not filled because it was created for God. In verse 13, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. He says, in fact, your thirst will be so quenched it will overflow like a spring of water to quench the thirst of everyone around you. Wow, wow. We, we cannot quench a, a spiritual thirst, a spiritual longing with physical water or physical things. Our spiritual thirst, our, our deepest longings must be quenched with spiritual things, a spiritual being with God, with God. Verse 24, he said, God is spirit. His worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he gets to this point and she kind of gets off on a tangent and tries to change the subject and then she says, uh, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus answered, that would be me. Not exactly, but that's what he said. He said, I who speak to you am he. People are looking for more than the obvious, than the physical. And when we've found that, when we found it, we are to give that living water. We should be so full of that living water that it just overflows to other people. 
The fourth action of Jesus is Jesus quenched her thirst when she believed. Jesus quenched her thirst when she believed. This woman believed he was the Messiah. In verses 39 to 42, it says, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What, what brought about that living water? It was belief that brought the living water. It was belief that th- quenched her thirst. It was this belief in Jesus that filled her deepest longings. She was so full that she couldn't keep it in. She had to tell the whole town. When's the last time you heard something or knew something that you had to tell everybody? She was so excited about this new thirst-quenching power that she had to tell everybody. This is a major transformation. And there had to be incredible transformation of this woman for the townspeople who knew her to have believed as well. Now, belief in Jesus. Now, belief is not just an intellectual acknowledgement of, of a set of propositions and facts. Belief is inseparable from actions, actions. The action of of trust or placing confidence in submitting to the lordship or the control of Jesus himself. Belief is a decision to submit the mind, the will, and the emotions to the leadership of Jesus. It admits to our own shortcomings, our sins, our own inability to quench our thirst. Belief in Jesus means accepting his unconditional love and accepting his forgiveness. The woman said, he told me everything I ever did. He knew everything about her, loved her, cared for her, and quenched her thirst. He loves us unconditionally in the same way. He forgives us. Then he promises to fill us. Where are you this morning? What are you feeling this morning? Empty? Thirsty? Maybe, maybe a vague sense of, of longing that there's just it's not quite all there together. Even believers or Christians can get caught up in the activity of trying to quench a spiritual thirst, a thirst for God with something else, with money or activity or another human being with a goal, an ambition, a job, a project, with some kind of possession, but still thirsty. In number five, we find that Jesus transformed the woman's life. He transformed the woman's life. True belief in Jesus, when we submit to him, give him our lives, our lives will be transformed. In the previous chapter in John 3, there's a man named Nicodemus that was so hungry and thirsty for truth that he came to Jesus at night. And Jesus said he had to be born again. There had to be a new life started. It's a new way to look at this whole thing. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And new means new. New means new. It's interesting to note that these townspeople not only observed her belief, but they believed it for themselves. In verse 42, it says, we no longer believe just because of what you said, Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Every person that had an encounter with Jesus that caused them to believe and be transformed, it was a personal encounter they had themselves. Don't just take someone else's word for it. Don't count on your parents' faith. Don't, you need faith. Don't count on the faith of your spouse. You need faith. Don't rely on the faith 
of friends and family. How about you? It's your personal relationship with God through Jesus. Personalize it. You too can experience this transformation. Five actions of Jesus that we can take. Accept people exactly where they are. Share a common concern. Offer the living water and allow him to transform. Are you thirsty today? Do you have a longing inside that's never been filled? Jesus came to bring that living water. Believe in Jesus, receive him as your Savior and Lord, and the promise is this, you will never thirst again. Best news ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us a great illustration and story of how you gave the best news ever. And we thank you for the power that you have to transform our lives. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would understand what that belief in Jesus entails. And that we would, in a brand new way today, give our lives to Jesus Christ. Those of us that know you and walk with you, that we would take this example of how to share the best news ever. And those of us that have never received Jesus would take it to heart and embrace that heart change in living water from Jesus. Let's stand, shall we?